It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study we're glad you're with us and we hope you'll stay tuned it is march 15th this is the virtual bible study we're live and we're ready to go the number calls 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We hope you'll take time to join us on the virtual Bible study tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. Hello, my father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Dad? Jacob, good to be with you on Thursday night. Looking forward to our virtual Bible study. We're going to talk about a subject that's been in the news a lot lately, Dad. There's been a documentary, and it's uh, really a farcical documentary and uh, fictitious uh, the claims that they're making, but someone has claimed to have found the tomb of Jesus with his bones inside, and uh, that's been going around on the news a lot lately. We want to talk about that and how it relates to our faith tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Yes, Jacob, I hope that uh, Christians have not had their faith shaken by the recent news coverage about someone who claims to have found the tomb of Jesus and his bones. You know, uh, a lot about television these days is ratings and getting more viewers and being able to sell more advertising, and it's a, it's a money thing. And it seems to me that this latest uh, doc, supposed documentary on the Discovery Channel is of that nature. It's sort of a, a play for money and viewers. Um, the filmmaker is James Cameron, and, and some people will recognize his name as having been the producer of the uh, top-selling uh, film Titanic several years ago. And Looks like he's trying to make some more money uh, by coming out with a documentary about this lost. It's called The Lost Tomb of Jesus. And the assertion of the program is that a family tomb found uh, just south of the city of Jerusalem is actually where Jesus was buried. Now, what's interesting is this is not a new this tomb is not a new discovery. This tomb was actually discovered in 1980. So more than 25 years ago, this tomb was discovered. And yet now. Uh, these claims are coming forward. Inside this tomb were um, ten ossuaries, or people probably more commonly would call those, Jacob, a bone box, in which the Jews were known to, uh, after a body had decomposed, they would take the, the bones of the body and put them in one of these stone boxes. And uh, there were inscriptions, uh, names on some of these. One of them said, Jesus, son of Joseph. Another said Joseph, another said Mary, another said Mary with another name attached, and the suspicion was that it was Mary Magdalene. And then there was another call with the name Judas, or Judah, son of Jesus. And so because these names, closely parallel names that we find in the gospel accounts concerning the life of Jesus, uh, it is being argued that this is the family tomb of Jesus, it included Joseph and Mary, his mother and his, what will we call him, his foster father. It included Mary Magdalene. And so they're arguing that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and that this Judah, son of uh, Jesus, was a son born to Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And just in the telling of that story, Jacob, I think it sounds an awful lot like wild and gross speculation. And I think that's clearly what it is. It is. What do you think about that? Have you heard about the news story? If so, what are your thoughts? 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts. We talk about the resurrection tonight. Well, Dad, the fact of the matter is those names that were found on the the bone box uh, were some of the most common names of that time. The names Simon, Joseph, um, and so on were common names, just like you might find um, Mike, John on a grave today you would might find joseph you might find mary uh you might find jesus on a tomb in the first century one author did a little study of that 
and said that uh, these were some of the most common names. Jesus, Joseph, and Mary were among the most common names of the first century in, in Judea. Jesus is the Greek form of the Old Testament name Joshua. Of course, Joshua was a hero to all the Jews, and thousands of Jewish young men were named Jesus, uh, again, the Greek equivalent of the Old Testament Hebrew name Joshua. There were just thousands of, of young lads with those names in, with that name in those days. Uh, in fact, Josephus, the noted Jewish historian, in his writings mentions 20 different men by the name Jesus, uh, including Jesus of Nazareth. In the New Testament, there are eight men mentioned who, who had the name Joseph, other than the one who was Jesus's, as we said, foster father. There were seven Marys beside the mother of Jesus. And so the fact that these names were on these bone boxes uh, is not a, a really significant find in regards to the fact that, again, these were among the most popular names uh, of that era. There was a quote in the Jerusalem Post, an interview with a with an Israeli archaeologist named Amos Cloner, and he was the one who had actually supervised the discovery of this tomb 27 years ago. And in this recent interview in the Jerusalem Post, he declared emphatically, quote, it is impossible, it is nonsense that this was the tomb of Jesus of Nazareth. So that's one indication that it is just uh, a lot of hype. If it came, if the discovery was made 26 years ago, 27, yeah. 27 years ago, it would have been on the front pages back then, and it wouldn't have been hidden for these long, this long time. But it looks like it is, again, just a, a, an effort to gain a lot of notoriety and make some money. Yeah, it seems clearly that it was. So we want to talk in the virtual Bible study tonight, Jacob, about the burial of Jesus and the subsequent resurrection of Jesus because those things are fundamental to our faith. Again, I hope that Christians have not had their faith shaken at all by what seems to be unfounded claims of this movie maker uh, in what seems clearly an effort to grab a little more fame and a little more money. But we do need to be well established in our faith concerning the resurrection of Jesus. The number calls 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. A couple more things to add that are problem areas for this supposed discovery. One of those is that it appears that uh, the Jewish custom and practice would have been for Jesus to be buried in his hometown of Nazareth, instead of in Jerusalem, uh, some historical inaccuracies there for Jesus to actually have been buried in Jerusalem. Yeah, we know that Jesus was buried in a tomb just outside the city of Jerusalem. He was taken to be crucified just outside the walls of Jerusalem. In John 19, verses 41 and 42, it says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid, there laid they Jesus, the sepulcher was nigh at hand. And so the tomb of Jesus was there in the Jerusalem area. In fact, we know that it belonged to a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea in Matthew chapter 27, beginning verse 57. It says, When the even was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was a disciple he went to, was Jesus' disciple, and he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, when, and Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. So we know this tomb was in the Jerusalem area. We know it was the tomb of a rich man who lived in that area. I quoted earlier uh, this Amos Cloner, an Israeli archaeologist, the one who originally discovered this tomb 27 years ago that's in the news today. And he went on to say in his interview, there is no likelihood that Jesus and his relatives had a family tomb. They were a poor Galilee family with no ties in Jerusalem. This tomb belonged to a middle-class family from the first century. And so uh, the archaeologist is, is, I think, making a, uh, what is an obvious point. Why would Jesus' family have had a tomb in the Jerusalem area? They weren't from there. They were from Galilee. Why would Joseph's bones? Joseph had apparently died some years before, you know, after the, the initial narratives concerning the birth of Jesus in the first few years of his life. We don't read any more about Joseph. We don't read any more about Joseph after Jesus was 12 years old. 
he apparently had died sometime in the interim. The Bible just doesn't say. But why would his bones show up in Jerusalem when he was from Galilee? Why would his family have had a tomb in Jerusalem when they weren't from that area? Um, so, you know, the, the, the ones who are claiming they found a family tomb have not even made any effort to explain why the tomb would be there, why it would be in that area. The number again to call is 931-381-4567. Email us questions at collegeview.com. We'd like to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. It is a listener interactive program, and we all benefit from your questions or your comments, so we hope you'll join in on the virtual Bible study tonight. Jacob, you know, as we think about this, we've got to observe the fact that the, the place where Jesus was buried was known it was known to be Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. The women who observed Jesus' burial, some of his, the women who had served with him and were believers in him, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they saw where he was buried. They came back on the first day of the week to anoint his body with additional spices and found the tomb empty. But they knew where the tomb was. The Jews knew where it was, and they went to Pilate in Matthew chapter 27 Beginning verse 62, it says the next day after, and that is the day after he died, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together to Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. And Pilate said, You have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So it's not that Jesus was buried in some tomb. Nobody knew where it was. Joseph knew where it was. It was his tomb. The women knew where it was. They watched him bury him there and came back on the first day of the week to anoint his body with additional spices. The Jews knew where it was. The Romans knew where it was. They set a guard over the tomb. It's not like they were just that Jesus' body was taken away and nobody knows where it went. They knew exactly where it went. Uh, they knew where the tomb was, and they knew on the first day of the week that it was empty. And they had a lot riding on the fact that it was empty. If it wasn't empty, they certainly would have pointed that out. You know, the Jews, they, they failed. If the tomb was empty, their whole uh, scheme to crucify Christ and to end uh, the movement that was going on that they were envious of, that whole effort uh, was a failure if the tomb was empty. Surely, if the tomb wasn't empty, the Jews would have called that into question. Yeah, taking all the historical information together, they knew where the tomb was. And if they knew where the body of Jesus was, for instance, on the day of Pentecost, when the apostles began to preach that Jesus was resurrected, if they knew where the body was and they could have gone and retrieved the body, brought the rotting corpse before that crowd of people, they could have put an end to this movement of Christ I mean, they could have they could have ended it the very day it was trying to begin by producing the rotten body of Jesus if it was available to them. It was not available to them. They couldn't do that. They didn't know where his body was. His body had disappeared from the tomb where it was buried. They knew where that tomb was, but the body wasn't in it anymore. You know, Jacob, one of the notable things is that the Jews nor the Romans ever disputed the fact that the tomb of Jesus was empty. In fact, they they engaged in a cover-up on that very first day of the, of the of, in which Jesus was resurrected. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 11, it says, The guards came into the city and showed to the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and taking counsel, they gave large money to the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. And so, in other words, they weren't disputing. The tomb was empty. They were engaging in some form of cover-up to explain it away. But they they didn't dispute that the tomb was, in fact, empty. So there we have the Jews and the Romans both admitting to the fact that the tomb was empty. Pretty good evidence when you look at that and look at what they had writing on the fact that they didn't want it to be empty, but they could not deny it. Yeah, Jacob, in... in, uh, in legal proceedings that's considered to be a very positive a very forceful form of testimony if you can get someone to admit something that is not in their interest then there's no reason to doubt that it's truthful if someone admits something that they don't want to admit then everybody agrees it must be so let's talk about that when we get back from the break let us know your thoughts do you believe that they found the bones of jesus do you believe they found his tomb if not why not why do you believe in the resurrection 
What evidence do you see that shows that Christ is resurrected? Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567. Email us questions at collegeview.com. We have some emails coming in. We'll take those when we get back. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when the emphasis of the work of the church was on teaching the gospel, converting the lost, and strengthening the saints? Can you recall good old-fashioned gospel preaching that appealed to the Bible as the sole and final authority in all religious matters? Are you tired of seeing churches that seem much more interested in social events and entertainment than in simply following the New Testament pattern? Would you love to hear lessons from the pulpit like you used to hear? Do you want to find a church that is still doing things the way you remember from years ago? If these things describe the way you are feeling, please visit the College View Church of Christ. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study tonight. As we talk about Christ and the evidences for his resurrection, it's been called into question here lately in the news media. What do you believe the Bible teaches? What are the evidences that you use to maintain your faith? Has this shaken your faith? Let us know at 931-381-4567 or email us questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we've got an email from Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. Jim, we're glad you listened to the virtual Bible study tonight. He says, I think what is worse are these folks who have been on TV saying that even if these are the bones of Jesus, it would not shake their faith in him. If there's no res- then Jim goes on to say, if there's no resurrection, there's no Christ, and Jesus is a, is a liar. It's just that simple. I, I think Jim's exactly right. This is an ultimately important point. Either Jesus is the resurrected Son of God, or we're wasting our time. We might as well throw our Bibles away and go fishing on Sunday, because we're not doing ourselves any good to follow Christ if he's not the resurrected. If he's not resurrected, we have no hope of a resurrection ourselves, and we have no trust in anything that Jesus said because he lied about the fact that he would be resurrected. As uh, Jim mentions, without the resurrection, all of our faith would be shaken. In, in fact, along that lines, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, um, beginning verse 13, 1 Corinthians 15:13 If there's no resurrection of the dead then is Christ not risen and if Christ be not risen then our preaching is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain yea and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not and if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised and if Christ be not raised your faith is vain ye are yet in your sins if in this life only we have faith, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So I think Jim's right on the right on point that this is an important thing. It does matter whether or not they found the bones of Jesus. They haven't found them, but if they did, it would certainly destroy our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Since it is so important, what are some of the evidences that you have to show us that? Christ is resurrected. Let us know. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Thank you for your comments, and thanks for listening tonight, Jim. You know, Jacob, uh, what you said a minute ago, Jesus prophesied that he would not only die, but also be resurrected in several places. In, for instance, in Matthew sixteen twenty one. Jesus uh, said to his disciples from that time, says from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Jesus predicted both his death and his resurrection. Uh, You know, some people speculate that this was somehow a uh, a surprise that the Jews rejected Jesus and that he was killed. It was no surprise at all. It was according to God's eternal plan. And Jesus knew it was going to happen and he prophesied of it, but he also prophesied of his resurrection. And if he didn't, if he's not resurrected, then he's a false prophet. You know, the famous statement that got him in trouble, John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, Jesus appeared and said unto them, Destroy this temple in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was his temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. Jesus made prophecies throughout his teaching, Dad, of the fact that he would be resurrected. Jesus is a liar. There's no other way to get around it. Uh, Jesus is a liar if he was not resurrected. And if they found the bones of Jesus in Jerusalem, in that uh, tomb, in that bone box, that makes Jesus a liar. And we cannot have any confidence in anything that he said. Jacob, we've got another email from Jeff, and he writes, I, too, watched some of the Discovery Channel on 
the ossuary of Jesus. I must admit I chuckled at some of the things the supposed documentary scholar said. Uh, he says, I, uh, if we believe in a physical, literal body resurrection of Christ, then whose bones do they think they had? And the DNA testing was comical. What were they comparing it to? To my knowledge, DNA wasn't even available 200 years ago, much less the first century. How could they possibly prove it with Jesus' DNA? And that was one of the things. I, I didn't see the documentary, but one of the things that was written about it was that they had done a considerable amount of DNA testing on these remains or so what? DNA compared to what? You know, we all we all know enough about DNA by virtue of what we read in the news and in criminal cases and so forth to know that if you're going to use DNA, you can you can tell whether it came from a human being, it came from a man, but you can't tell what man unless you can compare what what you found to that something that was known to be from that man, a piece of his hair, a shred of his skin or something. So they, they could test that. They could test the DNA of those bones they found from now till the cows come home, but it wouldn't prove it was the DNA of Jesus unless they had some known DNA remnants from Jesus himself. Maybe they could get it off the Shroud of Turin, you think? <laughs> you, you, you know what? Watch out. They might start tr- <laughs> <laughs> All right, 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Thank you, Jeff, for Th- your comment. Thanks for listening, Jeff. You know, there's a lot of evidence concerning the resurrection Jesus of, of Jesus. And uh, I got a couple quotes that I think are kind of interesting. Thomas Arnold, who was the chairman of history at Oxford University, no mean uh, academic institution. And here's what he said concerning the evidence for the resurrection. He said, I have been used for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer than the great sign which God had given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Here's a historian, chairman of history at Oxford University, saying there's plenty of evidence to support the conclusion that Jesus is resurrected. B.F. Westcott, well-known English scholar, wrote this. Taking all the evidence together, it is not too much to say that there is no historic incident better or more variously supported than the resurrection of Christ. Nothing but the antecedent assumption that it must be false could have suggested the idea of deficiency in the proof of it. Now, think about that last statement there, Jacob. He says you'd have to start out assuming it to be false before you could ever claim there's not enough proof. In other words, if you if you would be uh, uh, totally objective about it, you'd have to agree there's plenty of evidence to support the resurrection. The number to call is 931-381-4567. We'd love to hear from you on the phone, and we'd also like to take an email from you. Send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about the resurrection of Christ, and you know, Dad, as we talk about the resurrection, it's important to spend a little bit of time talking on the fact that Christ was, in fact, killed. You know, before we can have a resurrection, we have to have uh, someone who has died. And uh, we have evidence that is overwhelming that the fact that Jesus did, in fact, die on the cross. A lot of people who want to explain away the resurrection say, well, Jesus was never dead in the first place. If he did, in fact, show up after three days, it was just because he came back from a serious medical condition. When he was taken off the cross, he wasn't dead, but he was almost dead, and he was somehow recovered over those three days and that explains the resurrection to some people but the evidence is overwhelming dad that christ did in fact die on the on the cross i think so if you put together everything that happened to his body it's it's just it would be an incredible stretch to believe that anyone could survive the things that were done the torturous death that jesus died we know that there were some things, some emotional sort of torture that was heaped upon him before he was actually physically tortured. Uh, he, he spent a sleepless night of prayer in the garden. He, he, there he was betrayed by a friend, uh, whereupon he was deserted by all of his closest friends. He was subjected to six uh, fake trials in a matter of just a few hours. Then he was scourged and I think probably most who are listening tonight have read various descriptions of that horrible uh, sort of beating that Jesus took in which they beat him with a scourge. And you've probably no doubt read descriptions of what that scourge was like. But there are historical accounts of people who were scourged by the Romans and went on to die from just those injuries. Jesus was scourged and then he was taken and nailed to the cross of Calvary. 
uh, he was left hanging there on that cross uh, for six hours. And by the way, there's there's a good evidence that's to support the Bible account, which says that Jesus was nailed. We know that the Romans, you know, sometimes victims were tied by ropes to a cross. But there's evidence, there's supporting historical evidence that the Romans sometimes did nail their victims to crosses. The Bible account says that Jesus was nailed. And I, Jacob, recently I did a little bit of reading about um, the kind of pain that would have been inflicted by those nails, especially the nails through the hands of Jesus. One of the most nerve-intensive areas of our bodies are our hands. There are a lot of nerves that run to our hands, obviously, to affect uh, the ability to touch and feel. And when those nails were driven into uh, the area of Jesus' hand, right at the base of the hand where the hand meets the wrist, it would have penetrated through that bundle of nerves. You know, sometimes these days we hear about people who suffer carpal tunnel syndrome, and it's very painful because that bundle of nerves is being pinched by a tendon. Well, in this case of Jesus, the nails would have gone right through that bundle of nerves, and they say the pain of that would be indescribable, that that all those nerves being severed, that it would just been excruciating, beyond description kind of pain that Jesus suffered when they nailed him to the cross and then left him hanging there with the weight of his body on those nails for six hours. And then finally... When he was dead and the Roman soldier came, the Roman soldier came who was actually going to speed up the death process by breaking the legs of those Jesus and those other two who were on the cross. But Jesus was already dead. And uh, in John 19, uh, it says that the Roman soldier, instead of breaking Jesus' legs, pierced through his side with a spear. And most medical authorities, there was a visible flow of blood and water that came out of Jesus' side when they did that. And, and I've read several medical Experts who've analyzed the accounts and said that at that point, the likely only place where Jesus' body would have maintained a sufficient amount of blood and body fluids to show a visible flow, probably his heart and his pericardium, the sack of fluids around the heart, the very high likelihood that that spear thrust into Jesus' side probably went right to his heart, which is probably what a Roman soldier would have been trained to do. That's how they would have been trained. To That's the thing we've got to note here is that these people who are conducting the execution of Jesus, the crucifixion of Christ, were, were very well experienced in this. It wasn't the first person who had been executed this way. So they knew what they were doing. They knew how to get the job done, and uh, that was their job, and they got it done. And uh, it, to say anything else is to deny the evidence. Um, Paul Meyer has written quite a bit about the death of Jesus, and he's also a historian, a university professor, and he wrote, uh, there's a recorded instance of a victim being taken down from a cross and surviving. He goes on to elaborate. The Jewish historian Josephus, who had gone over to the Roman side in the rebellion of 66 AD, discovered three of his friends being crucified. He asked the Roman general Titus to reprieve them, and they were immediately removed from their crosses. Still, two of the three died anyway, even though they had apparently been crucified only a short time. In Jesus' case, however, there were the additional complications of scourging and exhaustion, to say nothing of the great spear thrust that pierced his ribcage and probably ruptured his pericardium. Romans were grimly efficient about crucifixions. Victims did not escape with their lives. I think that last statement there is very clear. They knew how to kill a man. They knew how to make him hurt while it was happening, and that's what they did to Jesus. All right. There's the evidence uh, that uh, shows that Christ was, in fact, crucified on the cross. He was dead when he was taken down from the cross. And now we have the scene set for the resurrection. We'll talk about that when we get back from the break. We'll talk about some of the burial of Christ and some of the evidence that we have of the fact that he did, in fact, raise from the dead. We want to hear from you. Why do you have faith in the resurrection of Christ? Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or give us a call at 931-381-4567. There's more to go on the virtual Bible study right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected a thus saith the Lord? Remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? The College View Church is still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. 
If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit the College View Church of Christ. I'm Troy Smith, and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad, and we love to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We hope you'll take part in the discussion as we talk about the resurrection of Christ. It's been called into question in the news this past couple weeks, and we're looking at the evidence for the fact that Christ, in fact, did resurrect from the dead. Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. And as we look at the tomb of Christ, there's no doubt that the tomb was empty. You know, one of the benefits of the fa- of the way that Jesus was buried is that there is no question. Jesus was the only body in the tomb those three days. And then when that tomb is empty, there's no speculation as to whether or not it's Christ's body that's missing because it was the only body in the tomb to begin with. And if the tomb is empty, then we have confidence that Christ was resurrected. Exactly right. And uh, again, Jacob... The Jews and the Romans never disputed the fact that the tomb was empty. In fact, uh, quoting again from this Paul Meyer, a history professor who's written, he wrote in uh, uh, an article called The Empty Tomb as History. He said, concerning the Jews and the Romans, admitting the tomb was empty, he says, this is, quote, positive evidence from a hostile source, which is the strongest kind of historical evidence. In essence, this means that if a source admits a fact decidedly not in its favor, then that fact is genuine. So, in other words, we know the tomb was empty. There's, uh, these people claim that they found a tomb, they found the body, and they found the bones of Jesus, and they're not contradicting Christian history. They're not contradicting what, contradicting what the disciples of Jesus claimed. They're contradicting the Romans and the Jews, because the Romans and Jews says the tomb, the, the, those bones weren't in that tomb. Um, another writer uh, named Ron Sider has said, quote, if the Christians and their Jewish opponents both agreed that the tomb was empty, we have little choice but to accept the empty tomb as an historical fact. And, you know, the, that that is clearly so. In fact, the Jews never denied the empty tomb. Uh, and and they would have they would have been glad to do so. And if they could have produced the, the body of Jesus, they would have done so. And they would have put an end to all this speculation about Jesus. All right. So we have no question that the tomb was, in fact, empty. Now, it can get empty in a lot of different ways. But the fact that the Roman guards were there to guard the tomb of Christ shows us that no foul play occurred, that, in fact, some supernatural event happened, the resurrection of Christ. You know, the fact that the guards were there dead, therefore, eliminates the fact that someone could have taken away the body by night. The guards were there to prevent that. Actually, the, the, the Jews, the Romans provided a very valuable service to us f- for the sake of verifying the resurrection. When they set guards to guard the tomb, they actually helped to confirm the reality of the events to us. In other words, they're not going to let anything suspicious or underhanded take place. No foul play is going to happen. They're there to keep that from Therefore, the only explanation, and we can talk more about this, but the only real explanation is that something supernatural happened, as you said. Jay, we got a follow-up email from Jim, uh, who says he watched that whole program, and he said uh, one problem that these guys are have in trying to prove the DNA in the box is that of Jesus. We were talking about that a minute ago. He says they, they tied those ten boxes in this tomb, the one that's under present discussion, with one box found previously. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Jacob, a year or so ago, they came out and said that there was a box that was supposedly James, the brother of Jesus. Um, But the problem, in other words, now they're saying the DNA in this new tomb, the DNA of the one was marked Jesus, is similar to the DNA of the one they'd found earlier in the box that was supposedly James, the brother of Jesus. The problem is they've already proven that that box was a fake and so he says, if if these boxes found in the supposed tomb of Jesus are of the same type and construction uh, as the James box is, and it's a fake, then what's it prove about these ten new boxes? So they've already discounted that 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 uh, uh, box of bones, supposedly James, the brother of Jesus. But now they're trying to use it to confirm the identity of these. And I think I think Jim's making a good point there. If, if we got a known fake and yet we're trying to use that known fake to, to authenticate something now discovered, 
That doesn't make sense. That's not even logical. So, again, Jim, good point. Appreciate that. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Let's talk about the eyewitnesses, Dad. We do have the confidence in the fact that the tomb was empty. But what about Jesus? Was he resurrected as, and, therefore, the tomb was empty? Well, we have eyewitness evidence and testimony of the fact that they viewed Jesus after he was resurrected. Yeah, I think eyewitness testimony has to be one of the strongest forms of proof that we have concerning the reality of resurrection. By the way, Jacob, I'd like to get any who are listening tonight, send us an email, and it can just be a one line. Just send us an email and give us the one main reason why you believe that Jesus is resurrected. You know, if you're a Christian and if you're a person of faith, then you surely do believe that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Uh, as we said, otherwise, if, if it didn't happen, then we're just wasting our time and we might as well plan to uh, go golfing Sunday morning. If you believe that Jesus resurrected, you must have a reason for believing that. Send us an email. All you have to do is one line. I believe because. And give most, us what, the most, uh, weighty most powerful evidence. evidence. In your mind. Yeah. yeah, give us your most powerful evidence that has convinced you that Jesus really. We, we'd be interested in getting those, that kind of feedback. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. The phone line is available as well at 931-381-4567. Well, you know, Dad, we talked about the fact that the tomb was empty, and then we have eyewitness testimony that uh, verifies the fact that Christ was observed after his resurrection. In fact, that eyewitness testimony is enormous, the enormous number of witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. That's right. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul lists over 500 people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus during the period of time between when he was resurrected and his ascension into heaven. 500 people. Uh, let's just read that list in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning verse 3. Paul says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So Paul there's got a list of... of more than 500. In fact, there were more than 500 who on one occasion simultaneously saw Jesus resurrected. And he says, notice, when he wrote 1 Corinthians, he says, the greater part of these remain unto this present, a few have fallen asleep. So in other words, the, the reports of, this, of the resurrection were being circulated within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses who saw it. Basically, I think Paul is arguing there, if you doubt my word, go look these people up yourself and you can ask them. They're still alive. You can talk to them about what they saw, what they experienced. There was a, a, there were a, a, a great number of eyewitnesses. I, I thought it was interesting. Somebody broke this down into uh, um, the sort of a courtroom setting. And if you gave every eyewitness just six minutes to tell his story, to, to identify himself and to explain what he saw, you'd have over 50 hours of eyewitness testimony. I tell you, in any court of law, that much eyewitness testimony would, would convict somebody of anything. You could, you could prove anything if you had that number of eyewitnesses to a thing. And in the case of Jesus, that's the kind of powerful proof that we have. That's exactly right. We would uh, have no problem at all in a court of law with that many witnesses to prove any fact and that we can prove the fact that Jesus rose from the dead by the fact that we had so many witnesses to that actual event, we can have confidence that Jesus did, in fact, raise from the dead. Jay, we've got an email from Mike here in Columbia. Mike, we're glad you're listening tonight. He references a USA Today newspaper article on March 12th written by Michael Medved, who hosts a nationally syndicated radio talk show. He wrote an article about this lost tomb of Jesus And he states, according to a Newsweek magazine poll in March of 2005 entitled From Jesus to Christ, 78% of Americans say they believe Jesus rose from the dead. The lost tomb of Jesus largely ignores this prevailing faith. Mr. Medved is making the point that more than three-fourths of Americans believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and yet Mr. Cameron in the new documentary ignores this fact in his program. Well, uh, that's an interesting statistic 78% of Americans believe Jesus rose from the dead. What we're saying is the evidence, there's evidence there to support it. It's not just that it is believed, but it's believed for a reason. 
that there's evidence to support that conclusion. And I think that is especially what Mr. Cameron has ignored in his documentary. He hasn't dealt with the evidence of the resurrection at all. He's just taken a few uh, random things and tried to uh, sort of paste together uh, a conclusion that, you know, just really not supported by the evidence. You know, if we had a poll of people in the media and took how many of them believe in the resurrection of Christ, no doubt it'd be much less than that uh, percentage in the American population. Uh, the fact that they could let this junk on television uh, shows that many people in the media uh, have no faith in Christ at all. And I think they've got an agenda, too, in which they'd love to see faith in Christ destroyed. And that's why they pounce upon something like this. And, and I mean, they're glad to report any such claims as those that have recently come out. And so, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Mike, thanks for your email. Thanks for listening tonight to the virtual Bible study. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you. Remember, we've asked you, what is the weightiest evidence in your mind for the resurrection? What causes you to believe that Christ did resurrect from the dead? We want to know what you believe and why you believe it. Let us know on the virtual Bible study tonight. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we've got a response to that question from Sherry down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Sherry, we're glad you're listening tonight. She says, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead because his close friends believed it. Peter was once too cowardly to admit that he even knew Jesus, but after he saw him alive, he was willing to die rather than renounce his faith. Likewise for the other apostles. Sherry, I think you're dead on right. I think that's the... To me, I agree with you. That's the the proof positive. The people who were in a position to know because they saw it firsthand and it changed their lives. It dramatically changed their lives. As, as, as Sherry points out, Peter was just a coward. When when Jesus was arrested, he, he swore and denied that he even knew Jesus. And then just days later, he was willing to die rather than renounce his faith. And he was willing to stand up to the same people who had tried Jesus and had crucified him, he was willing to stand up to them in their face and to claim the resurrection. Certainly, he wouldn't have been stupid enough to do that if Christ had not been resurrected from the yeah. dead. Yeah, you know, uh, they, the, 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 the fact that they were willing to die for it, uh, all of the disciples, Matthew twenty six fifty six says, all the disciples forsook him and fled when he was arrested. But then historical accounts tell us that all of those original apostles of Jesus Christ died as martyrs' deaths, with the exception of John, who was severely persecuted but apparently died a natural death, why would these fellows die if they knew it wasn't so? It doesn't make any sense. They, But they were willing to die because they knew for sure it was so. And so I agree that the changed lives of those who were closest to Jesus is the proof positive concerning the resurrection. Thanks for listening, Sherry. We appreciate your email. Um, the number to call is 931-381-4567. Send us that email to questions at collegeview.com. You got it figured out over there? No. I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting uh basketball scores emailed to me the NCAA tournament starting tonight, Jacob and Oh, well, he's uh, uh, he's getting a little distracted there. <laughs> <laughs> we may be in competition with with the tourney tonight in March Madness, but uh uh hopefully people are are kind of keeping one eye on the on the ball game scores, but also studying with us on the virtual Bible study. Um, again, send us an email uh, and let us know what is the reason why you believe. What's your strongest convincing bit of evidence that uh, Mike emailed in earlier said 78% of Americans believe in the resurrection. We assume that probably everyone who's listening to our broadcast tonight believes in the resurrection. If that's so, send us an email and tell us why you believe. But I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm joining Sherry as saying I think that the changed lives is what really convinces me. You know, we've had at least one atheist on the pro- who has listened to the program before, so there may be someone who doesn't believe in the resurrection listening. If you don't believe in the resurrection, we'd like to know the evidence that you have to show why you don't believe in the resurrection. Likely, though, you do believe. And what is the weightiest evidence in your mind proving the resurrection? We want to hear from you. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this final break. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. 
I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study, and we appreciate you joining us on the program tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. If you have any question about what the College View Church of Christ is all about, visit our website, collegeview.com, for more information about us. Call us anytime at 931 381 or better yet, come and visit with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We're glad that you've joined us tonight as we talk about the resurrection of Christ and the evidence that we believe show us that Christ did, in fact, raise from the dead. We're looking forward to hearing from you at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Dave, we've got an email from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and he goes back to that documentary that we've been talking about that supposedly found the lost tomb of Jesus with his bones inside. Uh, And Keith says, I believe that one unique problem that disproves the bones is the DNA. With nothing to compare the DNA to, even modern experts in the field wouldn't put their reputation on this falsehood. So I think that's right. I think they probably hurt their case more than helped it, Jacob, by bringing up this question of DNA. You know, all of us, by virtue of having, you know, uh, kept up with coverage about uh, trials and crime investigation and so forth know that DNA, in order to be produce, produced as evidence, DNA evidence has to take a sample and compare it to a known sample. You got you got to have two samples. You got to have one from a known source, and then you compare the discovered one to the known source in order to prove something. And so, as Keith is saying here, they got nothing to compare the DNA to, and therefore, experts in the field would back away from that. Immediately, I mean, no expert's going to stake his reputation on on a claim that can't be proven. There's 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 no control sample here uh, to make this evidence, this DNA evidence, of any significance at all. We appreciate you listening tonight in Lynchburg, Keith, and we're glad that you've emailed us on the virtual Bible study. Send us your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Tell us why you believe. What's the weightiest evidence in your mind? I got another email here from Middle Tennessee. It says, "I believe that." The disciple, his disciples changed and became believers in Jesus after he rose from the dead. I believe because his disciples changed and became believers in Jesus after he rose from the dead. I agree. I think that's the, that's the strong case. Those right closest there. to Christ would have known if he was just uh, fake and if he was just lying throughout his uh, life on earth. And they would have known if what they saw wasn't the body of Christ resurrected from the dead. Yet they knew, and they knew in such a way that it caused them to change their life, to pay the ultimate price, many of them, for their belief in the fact that Christ had resurrected from the dead. Jacob, you know, skeptics and doubters and enemies of Christ have, through the centuries, tried to come up with various explanations to explain away the resurrection. I think they know what we've already admitted in the program tonight, that if you can destroy the proof of the resurrection, you can destroy Christianity. Take that away, we've got nothing. And so the enemies of of the true religion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ have four centuries made that effort to find some chink in the armor to destroy uh, faith in the resurrection. And, and there's just been a whole lot of efforts. And um, I thought we might try to sort of walk through some of those attempted explanations. You know what might someone might say as they tried to explain away the resurrection, they might say, well, you know, Jesus's tomb was not empty. What happened was on the first day of the week, 
they went to a tomb that was the one other than one that was Jesus was buried in. So obviously that tomb would be empty because no one had been buried in it yet. And the tomb that Jesus was buried in was still occupied by Jesus. It was still there. People just forgot which tomb he was in. Yeah. They, they didn't know where they buried him. They went to a tomb, saw an empty tomb, jumped to the conclusion that this was the tomb Jesus was buried in and his body was gone. That just ignores all the historical evidence that's supplied in the biblical account. And what it what it argues, Jacob, is that the loved ones of Jesus, so remember those women followed Joseph of Arimathea and observed where they buried Jesus. You know, think about this. Let's say you lost a loved one. You buried him. Three days later, you can't go back to the place where you buried this dear loved one. That doesn't make sense at all. If you if you buried a pet, you could remember where you'd buried the pet in, within a few days. Yeah, exactly right. Certainly not a, a loved one. Yeah. Um, another explanation that's been offered is that this claim of a resurrection, just a, a legend which developed years, centuries after the actual crucifixion of Jesus. You know, some people say the early Christians never believed in a resurrection, never taught a resurrection, and, and that this was a, a myth, sort of a, a lore that developed centuries later which is absolute fact we already read first corinthians 15 wherein paul said the uh, the 500 people who saw jesus alive were still alive and could be questioned the the reports of the resurrection were being circulated within the lifetime of the people who purported to have seen the resurrection certainly wasn't a legend that had been developed over years when it could not be verified paul wrote in first corinthians 15 to go and verify it with those who had seen it Certainly dispelling the fact that it was a myth that had developed over time. You know, and First Corinthians 15 was written only about 25 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Most of those people were still living, Paul said. One thing that's been argued is that the body of Jesus did decay in the grave, and what the disciples saw was only his spirit or ghost. It was a spiritual resurrection, not a bodily resurrection. And we've got an email that I've been holding on to, which actually came in just before the program from Marcus in Louisville, Kentucky. And it's a longer email, and I can't take time to read all of it. Um, but he says, uh, I was listening to some quotes from Christians uh, about these claims, about this lost tomb of Jesus. Some Christians were saying this discovery does not change their faith because if it's true, then they still believe in a spiritual resurrection and not a physical resurrection of Christ. Uh, and he asked us to comment on that. Marcus, thanks for your email. You know, uh, a spiritual resurrection, if that's all it was, would not have made Jesus any, any different than some others whose spirits were seen after their death, like Samuel, Moses, and Elijah. Um, There were others whose spirits were seen after their death. But Jesus was resurrected in bodily form. And I want you to notice a couple of quotations here. In Luke chapter 24, when Jesus was appearing to his disciples, he said in Luke 24 verse 37, they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. So they were actually saying, oh, it's, it's his spirit, a spiritual resurrection. How does Jesus respond? He said, Then why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat it before them. And so Jesus went to some effort to prove that it was him in bodily form, not just his spirit. They weren't the only ones who experienced Jesus and knew that he was resurrected in bodily form. In Matthew 28, verse 9, as the two Marys are on their way to tell the disciples that Jesus has been resurrected, in verse 9 of Matthew 28, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell, and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. So they weren't holding some spiritual being by the feet. They were holding the actual physical body of Christ by the feet. And then one other explanation that is offered concerning the fact that Jesus' body stayed in the tomb, Jacob, was that these these disciples were basically just hallucinating. They didn't really see Jesus. Jesus wasn't resurrected. But they wanted him to be so bad that they actually hallucinated or imagined that they saw him. Uh, Of course, 
hallucinations of that nature are basically based upon a, an expectation. And the fact of the matter is the apostles and disciples of Jesus did not expect to see him resurrected. And furthermore, you know, it, it, it argues that 500 people could have an identical hallucination all simultaneously, as as Paul records there in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, and that doesn't work either. Those explanations just fail. The, the, the tomb was empty. Jesus was resurrected. Now, how, how did the tomb get empty, Jacob? There's We, we should cover some, some arguments that are made of people who try to explain how the tomb got empty. We've already pointed out, you know, nobody really ever disputed the empty tomb. The disciples believed it. They taught it. But the Jews and Romans also admitted it. So what are what are some of the skeptical explanations or attempted explanations as to how the tomb was empty? We have about five minutes to take your call or an email. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. That's right, Dad. In the first century, they weren't denying the fact that Jesus' tomb was empty. And so people have to accept that fact if they're going to be logical and honest with the facts. So how do they? How do people today try to explain away the fact that Christ's tomb was empty and say that this still doesn't prove that Christ was resurrected? One theory might be that someone came and stole Jesus' body out of the tomb. The tomb was empty, but it got empty because somebody came and uh, made off with the body. Well, that's an old theory, isn't it, Jacob? Well, it was one of the first uh, explanations that was offered in the first century as the Jews told the soldiers to uh, make that excuse that someone came and stole the body by night. But it didn't work then, and it simply doesn't work now. Yeah, you know, what, what, the problem with that idea that the disciples stole the body of Jesus is that, first of all, Roman guards would fall asleep on the job, which they just wouldn't do. They were too rigorously disciplined to allow that. And and even if they did, let's say that the Romans did fall asleep at guarding the tomb of Jesus, it argues that the disciples could come in, roll that huge stone out of the way, get the body of Jesus, which, by the way, they also took time to unwrap it and leave the grave closed behind, then get out of there all without waking up the guards. First of all, the fact that the guards would have fallen asleep is unbelievable, but it's even more unbelievable to imagine that the, the disciples could have come in there, got the body, and got away without waking the sleeping guards up. That that theory just doesn't work. And again, the changed life of the disciples, if the disciples had stolen the body of Christ and they knew it was all a joke, why would they have been willing to die for their prank? Yeah, think about it this way. Let's say, let's say the disciples got together and they made a plan. They said, listen, let's go steal the body. We'll throw it away someplace, but we'll claim that he was resurrected. You know, we might get famous. We might get rich. Let's try it. So they, so let's assume they did that. But instead of getting rich and famous, they started to get persecuted. They started getting thrown in jail. Some of them started getting killed. How long do you think it would take them to abandon that story if they knew it was a false story that they themselves were the ones who had stolen the body? They would have abandoned that story immediately. But instead they kept on, kept on, kept on teaching it to the death. Exactly right. Well, someone might say that the body was moved by the authorities, Dad, that the uh, Roman or the Jewish authorities were actually playing a trick on the disciples, and they moved the body. Maybe moved it for safekeeping to protect it from foul play. Well, if they did, and they knew where the body was, why didn't they go get it? When on the day of Pentecost, they began to be charged with the murder of the Son of God, who's now resurrected, why didn't they go, no, he's not resurrected, he's not the Son of God, and here's his rotting body right here for you. They didn't do it. If they knew where it was, surely they would have done that. Well, one person might say, well, certainly the body was not there in the tomb, but Christ didn't raise from the dead because he didn't die on the cross. You know, we talked about that at the beginning of the program, Dad. Christ was dead when they took him off the cross. Christ wasn't in some type of swoon state where he had passed out and was almost dead and he was resurrected. He sort of came back to life, but he was never really dead, but he sort of recovered in the tomb. That simply is not the case. Yeah. We, we know that Jesus' body was tortured and mutilated unbelievably. And to argue that he wasn't really dead, even after that Roman soldier thrust that spear into his heart, he wasn't really dead. They put him in the tomb. He revived. He was able to get himself out. That's just too incredible to be believed. That just doesn't work. And so what we have, Dad, is this new documentary is just another in a long line of failed attempts to disprove the resurrection of Christ. The evidence is overwhelming, cannot be denied. 
that Christ raised from the dead. And as a result, we have some obligations uh, because of Christ's resurrection. You know, common sense says that if, if Jesus truly is the resurrected Son of God, then we should learn what he taught, find out what he requires, and obey it. Common sense dictates that that would be the logical response. And that's what we encourage everyone to do. The, the truth of the resurrection is well proven. There's ample evidence. It is now ours to react to that evidence and live our lives in accordance with the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Thank you for the time tonight, Dad. Enjoy the discussion with you. The evidence is overwhelming. We have to have confidence and faith in the fact that Christ raised from the dead. Yeah, we hope that everyone listening has that faith, and we hope that you will not have your faith shaken by uh, this documentary uh, that that uh, has been circulating recently. Thank you for listening to the program tonight. If you have any questions about the things that we've discussed, or if you would like to suggest a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we encourage you to send us an email anytime to questions at collegeview.com and let us know your thoughts. We hope you'll be making plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.